Somehow we are already about a third of the way through season five. It's flying maybe faster than any of the previous seasons. We are here for the Sopranos podcast, season five, episode four, House and Garden. I'm not running a fucking popularity contest. That's a quote from Tony Soprano in season five, episode four of the Sopranos entitled All Happy Families. This episode was written by Tony Calum and directed by Rodrigo Garcia. Two new names, by the way. Two names I've not seen before, at least uh, frequently. Maybe one or two other episodes, but uh, great job. This episode, is I, I mentioned last time, is a, uh, a low-key kind of sleeper favorite of mine for the season. We'll talk about why. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. <laughs> and we're going to drop this one. All happy families. Uh a much more family-centric, appropriate to the title, a much more soprano family-centric hour than our previous outing, although we're certainly not uh, staying too shy from the gangster side of things either. This season feels much more, whereas last season felt much more domesticated than the gangster stuff, this season almost feels like it's the opposite because the soprano home is so fractured. But this one really felt like it was centered around the lowercase f family right so good good hour i love this is a very very good feature for robert eiler though this is aj at his most unlikable and a lot of cool beats here great feature lamana story let's get into it uh what are your initial thoughts and feelings on all happy families this is uh tony calum wrote this episode yeah so that is the actor that plays angie bompensero yes yeah, that's really cool. I wonder if that um, maybe helped us with our, I thought, rather Carmela-centric plot. I wonder if she had like a nicer mm. touch with that. It's a really cool episode. It is so funny that we uh, zoom in on the lowercase f family and uh, it can feel just as exciting and sort of, you know, full of <laughs> explosive energy as the the capital F family. Uh, you know, it's it's really amazing in that way. I missed Carmela in the previous episode. We had just done uh, Where's Where's Johnny, the only episode of the series that Carmela isn't in. So yeah. it's uh, cool to be able to check out uh, back in with her here. Um, the idea of Carmela by herself, not attached to anyone else, and what that would mean for her is not something I ever really thought about until this episode. You know, what is it like to reclaim your life uh, after you've had this kind of a loss, after you are no longer married to your husband, your children are out of the house? And this is a reality for a lot of suddenly single men and women, right? And particularly women, if we're if we're really focusing on what's going on in this episode. And, um, you know, what does it mean to uh, rediscover yourself and to to have that opportunity to do so? I thought that was... Uh, something really cool. And I thought, what a weird, atypical ending to the Feech Lamana story. Mm. A story that I thought I already knew the ending of going in, and what a swerve. Yeah. Indeed. Another fun outing, uh, also bleak in a lot of ways, but with its with the soprano notes of tragic comic fun. I agree about how we relate to this story about suddenly single women or men and again, I guess also like the last episode through this prism of North Jersey gangster subculture, a very recognizable 
kind of story in the last episode, what happens when elderly family members start to lose the thread. In this case, uh, the fallout <clears throat> from a separation slash divorce. And something very interesting, again, about Carmela as a character, Lily, uh, checking in on our last season ending, noted that Carmela, perhaps especially among Sopranos characters, has a willingness to wrestle with these questions in her life and what her part is. And indeed, she wrestles with this question of her need to be loved and trying to get AJ to love her in a way that other characters don't quite wrestle with or can't get there because of their machismo, because of the layers that they put on their dysfunction. Uh, so again, as compromised as she can be, I admired Carmela for her willingness to ask these questions in this episode. Very good. It also raises a lot of very interesting parental dynamics in a fractured home. I have in my I was a two children divorced home, and I heard many conversations about like very similar to this, where one parent becomes the bad guy because if you're the live-in parent. It's sort of like, I, I like to describe this, Lily and I have a lot of uh, children in our peripheral family, a lot of nieces, nephews, friends that have yeah. kids. And right. I always say as a joke that we get the best of both worlds because we get the fun of being around the kids, playing with the kids, being goofy with the kids, but we don't have to clean shit and vomit. We don't have to deal with them when they're <laughs> out of sorts. It's like when they get out of right. sorts, you can just pass them on to their parents and, oh, well, I don't have to deal with that. Uh yeah. So when one parent leaves the house, and unfortunately, just because of our system, it usually ends up being the father. I think this is a very this is a situation that comes up a lot in divorces where the parent who's the custodial parent feels like, as Carmela says, the prison warden, bad guy, always having to be the the disciplinarian, while the child gets to go out and have fun with the other parent who feels guilty. And that's something I even heard in my own house growing up. So a lot of that rang true, and it raises a lot of very fascinating questions about parenthood. It's also a great episode that touches down on AJ's progress. We've been on our podcast and in this rewatch, a lot of us have been paying extra close attention to how AJ's developing and how he's doing. And coming up on college time, this is a big time in any person's life when they're coming up at the end of their required schooling and having to make choices about what's coming next. And that's creeping up here, and AJ is on a uh, not great trajectory. So this is yep. another great episode that follows. How's AJ doing? Well, you know, we assume wherever Meadow is at this point, she's fine. We see a little bit of her this episode. She's in her apartment, but uh, AJ is uh, AJ's in some in some trouble here, and this household is not able to support or control or give any kind of necessary structure to him. It's fascinating stuff. Let's yeah. break it down. Let's get into it. AJ, we start the episode with AJ backing in and out of the driveway. He's, what, 16 years old? This is probably, he's very looking forward to when he can drive on his own, but this is the only place he can legally operate the vehicle. <laughs> he's having a great time doing it. Another episode that opens up with Tony and Tony B. I mentioned this to Paul in between uh, some of our sessions and just talking earlier that Tony B, we got a good introduction for him to him in Rat Pack. Got a sense of who he is and what he's looking for. But he's got him. He's just kind of hanging around. He's working. He's doing his job. We find out a little bit more about him each each episode. Last time we found out a little bit more about the situation 
that landed him in prison. This time we find out who the twins are. We they reference the twins yeah. a few times. This was bizarre. Yeah, I guess he had his sperm smuggled out of prison, uh, and he's got two sons. So. Yeah, for the listener, I'm just throwing up my hands. Like, is this a <laughs> thing that is done? I've never heard of this. Is this is this has anyone ever heard of this? Uh Jordan, you need to do some research on the semen smuggling trade. It's a very big thing that happens. <laughs> Wait, really? No, I have no idea. I'm just making shit up, pulling it out of my ass. Oh, all right. I'm not pulling the semen out. Let's move on. Uh, we are... <laughs> Chris, oh my. <laughs> Either way, it's funny. It's a. It's definitely a unique situation here, but... Uh, uh, have never Tony... heard of that. <laughs> Maybe after Kelly was lost, he wanted to have sons and knew he'd be out eventually. Who knows? But he, uh, he has these twins... They're playing. I know one of them's named Jason. I didn't. I didn't quite get the other one's name yet. I don't know if they dropped it. Tony squirts him with the hose. It's a cute moment. He tries to give him this ridiculous appliance that is maybe a manual drill because he gave the Dewalt to Brian, cousin Brian. I love that little callback. Yeah, this is our first. Our first reference to any kind of a home improvement situation is the drill. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Jason, don't put pine cones in the pool filter. What's the matter with you? And Tony goes inside. Carmela drops the info about how, where the kids came from, how they were born. Tony, I guess, helped in this process. It was the least I could do. <laughs> what What did he even do? I'm trying to imagine. I'm really trying to imagine. But I, we can't dwell on it because it's not important. But it's so weird. <laughs> Tony has to sit down. He's having some kind of issue. He says indigestion, but I don't quite buy it. Nope, no way. Not, not a chance, but what is this? Do they explain it at any point yet or any info on this other than panic or something else? It's a, I mean, it's a low-grade panic attack. Right. It's, yeah. Something's happening. It's yeah. physiological. It's clear. Uh, he tries to hide it, but Carmela notices. I mean. And Carmela asks about Melfi and Tony drops this bullshit, ridiculous line about, you think you're the only person to cut back on shit they need because of the separation? Yeah, ridiculous. But that low-grade panic attack, important. It's kind of like, okay, well, what's around that's causing this? Mm -hmm. So one, there's Tony B, who is just someone that makes Tony feel very guilty. Yep. And he's thinking about like, wow, this guy couldn't even have kids the normal way. I had to smuggle his semen out of prison. I can't believe I've just spoken those words, but that is the truth. <laughs> um, you know, so there's, there's the guilt carrying that around. There is also, he is basically there as a guest. He doesn't live in this house anymore. Right. Uh, you know, so this home that Tony B, by the way, is very much admiring from the pool, uh, is uh, not even his anymore. And it's the first time we think, at least in this episode, what does the house really mean anymore when it's not a home? Who's really living there? Whose house is this? This is where mm. Carmela and AJ are staying. Is it still a home? Was the family the home? I don't know. There's a lot of good questions here. Uh, you know, is 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 the is the better family the one hanging out in the pool right now? I don't know. What is home? We could have a whole fucking conversation about what that word even yeah, means. Independent absolutely. of the Sopranos. So, mm -hmm. great question. Great question to ask. What's the purpose of this visit is essentially what Tony wants to know. What do you want? Mr. Wegler wants to talk about AJ's uh, dwindling college prospects. Tony references him as the Rick Yoon with the Billy Bud. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get into this fight where Carmela says that I get to be the prison warden while you indulge him. 
They start arguing about the drums, again with the drums, encourage extracurricular activities, you said. They're arguing about, the, they're just bickering about the way Tony indulges him, and Carmella always has to be the bad guy. And Tony cuts it off and says, I don't have to listen to this shit, that's why we're separated. Carmella says, are you kidding me, Tony? That's not why. And he leaves. He's also kind of back and forth, it seems. One minute he's like looking at dwindling grades and he's saying, I told this kid to crack, crack, the, books. crack the books. 30 seconds later, he's telling Carmela to go easy on the kid. Yeah. So exactly. it's like, it's Is all. Is that before or after you took him to the Nets game? Right. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, yeah. I, again, I don't even know how deliberate it is, but like, took him to the Nets game on a school night. So he gets to take the kid to the fun game and Carmela has to wake the fucking kid up in the morning. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know. That's exactly the dynamic. Yes. Sure. And he vacillates on his finances, right? Well, I can't afford therapy. I can't afford brand new drums and the Nets game. You know, so it's uh, it's whatever's convenient to him in the exact moment of him saying yep. it. Yep. Cut to the next scene. Uh, this is a direct follow up. I guess Lorraine Caluso, rest in peace, did not uh, learn the lesson of the phone book. Yikes. And was whacked unceremoniously by Joey Peeps, Bill Leotardo and Phil Leotardo. You're warned, Lorraine. The money goes up to John. Boom. They killed Jason. They chase her naked through the house. Uh, they made a memorable scene out of this, actually, between the song choice and the uh, running naked through the house, finding Jason dead on the floor. And for a character that uh, it was only around a scene or two per episode for this first part of the season, pretty memorable death scene. <laughs> it is. Uh, they strip her first. I'm not sure... Well, she's come out of the shower. They basically pull the towel off her. Yeah, right. Which, but, they, but they do pull the towel off her. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if this is a tonal follow-up to her offering to suck their cocks in the previous episode mm. and being like, well, you know, you played the whore to try to defend yourself last time. Let's see you defend yourself the same way now. So it's just it's an additional yeah. it's an additional cruelty, you know. Right. Like, like, I, like I mentioned in our previous episode, the New York mobsters are just it's a whole other animal thing. of just they are savage yes correct phil leotardo looking gangster af out there in that car as uh his brother bill and joey peeps get back in and again this is very early this is a second sequence in the episode yeah that's ratcheting up this whole thing the last the last episode ratcheted it up with the warning yeah the 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 mock execution scene and now we have the real execution so again pretty early in the season these are fireworks and early in this episode yeah then we go to carmine's camp we have frankie Carmine, valley. frankie valley which is which is funny that he's playing a character named rusty milio uh that you know it's funny to have frankie valley because he's so recognizable to fans of this show he's been frankie valley has been referenced in the show and then they have Frankie Valley come in and playing a different character. It's kind of a funny choice. I think it's very distracting, but also it's fun. So who cares? It's kind of one I, of those. I feel exactly the same. It's simultaneously distracting and fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how just, do you not go? Oh, that's Frankie Valley. Correct. And I, I totally had forgotten he was even a part of this. And then he shows up and I'm like, I had to pause my television. I was like, Frankie Valley, really? But mm. it's just fun and we can have fun. It's allowed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially because it probably, look, I don't know this for sure. Maybe there's other sources closer to the show that can say what happened. I imagine Frankie was a fan of the show and wanted to be a part of it in some way. Otherwise, oh, yeah. why do oh, yeah. you know? So mm -hmm. very cool. And I think he kind of looks the part, too. I think he, he feels like a New York. Yeah. 
He pulls it off. I buy him as like a weaselly little yeah. Carmine loyalist. Oh, no, he was, uh, I mean, he's totally fine in the performance. It's just he's a really famous person and it's really hard yeah. to look past that he's Frankie Valley. Right. Yeah. I feel that way when they put like people like Tom Hanks in face prosthetics. It's like, that's Tom Hanks. Right. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Funny so, enough, I felt it less when you're bringing in someone like a Joe Pantoliano or someone like that, where it's just mm -hmm. like, OK, here's a big actor, but he's playing a huge role. So we mm -hmm. accept it. It's almost more distracting when it's like in the cameo capacity like this and they're not playing right. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because what's true. funny is in this episode, we have cameos from other huge celebrities. But yeah, it's this one that distracts me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so there, these guys are just finding out about what happened to Lorraine. Carmine is very upset. Fucking Billy, Le Billy Leotardo and hangs up. Angelo is upset. Angelo and Carmine are upset. And uh, Rusty says, if we get out there and we'll steamroll right over John, and I predict the guys in the streets of Brooklyn and Queens will welcome us as fucking heroes. It'll be easy. Famous last words. So this guy, basically, the point of this here is that Carmine has people behind him that are pushing him to fight back. Johnny has made a move here, and Angelo seems upset. And Rusty is telling him, you 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 get out there first and hard. You're going to steamroll right over him. I mean, this is, I mean, it's 20 years ago now, but this was in production the year that the United States invaded Iraq. Yeah. And the, everybody, I remember Vice President Cheney said, we'll be welcomed into Baghdad as liberators. Yep. And essentially right. the tone mm -hmm. was, this is going to be easy. And it was going to be easy. And it ended up, you know. There's a couple of Iraq references. Oh, it's all over. Episode. It's right. all over. That, that was this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Later, Feech uh, talks about the WMDs. And of course, much like, yeah, exactly. Yes. That's yes. right. Yep. Mm -hmm. And much like the uh, much like the Iraq war, I suspect that this one will be a little bit more complicated than Rusty Milio anticipates. Yeah, it might not be easy. <laughs> it might not be easy, folks. <laughs> We're in the back of the crazy horse. Every time the gangsters have like take over this club, I, I have a pang of feeling terrible for Adriana. And they're back there. Feech comes in. Hey, how about I kiss the ring? How about the one in the center of my ass? <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> comes in. They're, they're just chatting about what's going on with New York and the rain thing. And Feech says, in my day, it would have been little Carmine, unless he was actually, quote, retarded or just handicapped or something, crippled or something. And Tony's like, well, come on. What day was that? <laughs> uh, quick so, question in this scene. Uh, yeah. I asked the Sopranos scholars. Feach makes the kind of an untoward comment about Adriana and her past situation. What was that? What are you referencing? Do you know? I think he's actually talking about someone else's Gumar and relates that... her to. Oh, I see. Okay. But she was not yeah. someone else's Gumar as far as he knows. No, right. I think he's talking about a woman with long legs and Chris has this oh, dead eye I see. look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. Because I was like, he was gone when Adriana was still a kid. I mean, there's no way he would even know yeah. anything. So, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Thank you. Yeah. No, no worries. Tells Adriana if we need something, we'll send the not so politely tells Adriana to get lost. <laughs> Perhaps not as bad as Ralphie, but still not, not, not the most uh, tactful way to say get out of the office of your club. And so much so that Silvio actually has to go out and kind of comfort her and offer her some words. Adriana offers Tony, says, you didn't eat lunch. Do you want a sandwich? Which is an interesting line there. It tells me that Tony is spending a lot of time here. So 
Just something to note. Here we go, memory lane. And uh, Beach starts going down. Oh, it's important. These guys know their history. Who was it? Silvio mentions, why don't you tell them about uh, the time Tony and Jackie stuck up your card game? Yeah. Uh, which is the famous story that we all heard about Feach before Feach became a character on the show. And Feach gets into it. He should be dead by now. This one is fucking scared. And <laughs> he can't get a little bit into the, first of all, it was my game. And before he can even really get into the story, Tony cuts him off. Feach is forgiven, even if he hasn't forgotten. Mm, yeah, puts him in his place. This story is kind of cursed. This is the story that killed Jackie Jr. Yeah. Yeah, no, no kidding. They get to the heart of the matter. Feach wants the executive game back. Tony says it's juniors. Feach goes, juniors, right? They go back and forth. I ran it for years. No fights, no nothing, no cops. Tony makes a deal with him. Give you 20%, but you got to rent the house from me. I'll throw some high rollers your way. Again, very much like some of these early rulings against Richie April. He clearly is not happy with it, but he says, let me... uh." Get out of here before I keep talking and fuck this up. Thank you, Don Antonio. He's not happy with what he's getting, but he's swallowing it. He leaves. Silvio the executive game. I mean, we have the story about Tony having robbed the old game. And the executive game, because of the Happy Wanderer episode in season two, we know imparts power mm. and status. Yep. So he's not he's not like taking away the full boat, obviously, but but it it speaks to his sense of himself mm -hmm. and his status in the mob altogether, that he's going to be running this game, telling his impermeable stories, that whole thing. It's a perfect setup for yeah. this, the difficulty that they're going to have together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also Feach is incredibly ungrateful in this scene. I mean, Tony could have just flatly said no. And right. actually giving him 20% of an incredibly, you know, wealthy game is a nice thing. Like he, he essentially said, <laughs> yes, that's like, dude, fucking just take it, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, Feach is an ungrateful character, and they talk about it right after. Yeah. Silvio, Silvio calls him a Stroons. He's an egomaniac tone, always was. Tony's patting that down. Saying, yeah, he's old. How do you think that feels? He's, he's, he's a little bit in denial about where this is all going, but he knows somewhere deep down. AJ wants to go to a Mudvayne concert in the city. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> and Carmela is not allowing that. Carmela is saying no. His friend's mother already said yes. She's not your mother. He says, I know. Believe me. Isn't life unfair? AJ more more mouthing off to Carmela, being terrible to her. Yeah. Uh, she's not wrong. AJ is not the kind of kid. Look, I would trust a 16-year-old to go to a concert on their own with their friends if I trust the kid. But she's not wrong, as we will find out. And the scene is brief and cold. Yes. So it tells us what we need to know in terms of story, and it gets across what Carmela isn't getting and what she'll eventually realize she's going after in ways that aren't helpful to her or AJ. Cut to the executive game. It's been a hot minute since we've seen the executive game. Got Tony yeah. B. Tony B in here gambling, which isn't a good thing. But uh, Well, he's the... He's the Davy in this one, right? He's like the guy that shouldn't be be there. Somebody lent him some money. Yep, feature front of my action. And thank you for not humiliating me. <laughs> <laughs> How often do we think the executive game plays? Is this a monthly, a yearly game? They, they make a big deal out of it. So it's got to be at least, uh, it's, it's an established something. Yeah. 
My guess is, first of all, we don't know for sure how much time passes in this episode. Uh, I, right. I'm led to believe it's a decent amount of time because we see at least two of these executive games. I'm led to believe it's a monthly thing. Okay. That's my That makes sense to me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, fucking Lawrence Taylor is there. <laughs> I love that they shelled out money for these celebrities to play in these card games just to legitimize the card games and give them, you know, a funny moment or two, but... Mm-hmm. Very Bernie cool. Brillstein is a real guy. Yep. He's a TV producer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you get my list of toys? <laughs> yeah, the zingers are great. Like, yeah. I'm oh, they're having a guy gotta say hello. Yeah, yeah. All of the fucking <laughs> <laughs> with the exception of the fact that it's violent gangsters, like they this this is easy. I want to be at one of these and the money and the fact that I also don't have the money and would never borrow it. Uh I'd love to go to one of these. Like this is sure. something I, you know, these days these guys are having a great time. There's good food, they're joking around, they're shooting the shit. Tony deliberately, this is something that has been going on since episode one of the season. Tony opens the door and comes into the room in the like right as Feach's story is about to hit its apex. Uh, this happened the first episode. He's at juniors, he's in the middle of a story. This has been a consistent thing now that they've established that Tony just always interrupts Feach's stories of the past. How many times this guy got to say hello? He's telling the stories. Fucking this woman with his shoe. And uh, Tony basically stole the punchline from him. And it was one of those things where everybody uproared laughing and Feach looks on angrily. He knows that uh, wherever he was going with the story wasn't going to get the reaction that Tony got, so he clams up and swallows yet yet another bitter pill. I was also grateful he wasn't wearing white bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Freed. Yeah, Dr. Freed, his daughter's getting married. Big wedding. We hear about this. This is going to come back later. I like that moment. It's... uh, this is one of those funny things that gangsters have to have fun with is knowing that everybody's a little awkward and scared of them and they play with it. Like, Oh, I didn't get my invitation. And then there's that long pause, like, Oh shit, am I in trouble? And then, Oh, everybody starts laughing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just a, it, this is a shorter version of the, of the funny house scene in Goodfellas really. Yep. So, yeah. Fuck, yeah. Fucking mm-hmm. with them. And it's the tag on the scene, right? It's a nice way for it to end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we're in school. Jordan, this is your domain. You're the educator. Uh, we're, this we're was your... very, very accurate to how it is. This is it. Yeah. 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 I, I love that AJ's meeting is preceded by the most over-the-top academic <laughs> successful. <laughs> is, uh, wants to go to, where is he going? He's trying to get Vassar. Yeah, yeah he, which is a great school. And his blues folkloric studies has an almost community service spin to them. That's a ridiculous and funny line. Robert Winkler. Mm-hmm. Amazing. We're finally meeting the guy, the English teacher behind the Billy Bud scandal of season four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wish he had the minority thing going for him. That's so funny. <laughs> and then this kid is a real shot at getting in real real academic young man and then it's aj's turn tony's first line gets me every time so let me guess he called the english teacher daddy-o <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah so we should acknowledge that uh mr regular is played by david strathairn uh mm-hmm. you know a, a, a lauded another big famous actor uh, oscar nominated actor in fact and uh we should also note he is handsome and that mm-hmm. will be a thing he is handsome yes this is this scene is important because i think there's a couple 
very low-key looks going on here that uh, are going to manifest themselves more later. But the gist of it is AJ is in crisis mode with these grades. His reach schools is Arizona State and the other one out there, Phoenix. He's not going to get in if his grades continue on the trajectories. SATs, we can edge the math up from four or whatever into the fives. That would be great. This poor fucking kid. I know. Mm. His yeah. his reach school is Arizona State. Mm. <laughs> what have they been doing with this bastard? <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, Arizona. This is a fun moment for those of us who remember the meeting in season one. The ADD thing comes up. And all of a sudden now, when he finds out that he might get unlimited time on his SATs for being learning disabled, now the prospect of AJ having ADD seems appealing. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Very very (laughs) excited at possibly being learning disabled. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's about as uh, tactful and useful a thing to say as uh, I wish he had the minority thing going for him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, these these guidance counselors have to hear dumb shit like this all the time, I bet. AJ gets sent back to class. He's handling the split well. Mr. Wegler brings up the idea of AJ seeing a psychiatrist or psychologist regularly, and Tony immediately scoffs. People use it as a crutch. Whatever happened to Gary Cooper, the strong silent type, which is I very... couldn't believe he brought that up. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. It's a laughable line most of the Not time. As laughable as the next thing he says. Yeah. <laughs> Gary like Cooper Gary wasn't was a 16 year old boy. Well, he was once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which okay. which funnily, I think, is an accurate reflection of how Tony thinks of the mythology. Like to him, that's just who Gary Cooper is. Yeah. Is frozen in that image of high noon. Now here's the weird thing. AJ could have used therapy before his parents split up. He really, I think ought to talk to somebody now. Tony's stuff with people use it as a crutch and it's okay for me, but not for anybody else. It's just horseshit. Fuck that. Carmela. I think I get why there might be a couple of reasons why she's saying no to therapy. One of them is that she's going to handle it herself. And she wants to take the opportunity to really try to connect with AJ. But they both dismiss this pretty quickly. And I'm pretty confident that AJ needs to talk to somebody. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And and shame on Wendy Cobbler for ruining it for the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> that was Carmelo's excuse. We sent our daughter to an adolescent uh, you know, counselor, and it was a disaster. But Carmela eventually is the one who closes the door on this possibility. I know my son. He's just lazy, and we're going to make him do it. She's just like, that's it. He's lazy. We'll, 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 we'll fix it. They go out into the office and find out that two girls uh, got into an accident on the way to school, hit a tree. One of them is dead. Uh, just absolute tragedy, and... AJ, of course, goofing off, hey, I might have ADD <laughs> laughing about it. Weren't you told to go back to class? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then these, you know, kind of a weird beat. You're wondering why we're getting this information, and then we find out in a few minutes. Uh, Melfi's office. It's been a little while. We haven't seen her since two Tonys. There's a big basket, of a big gift basket sitting there next to one of her patients in the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> He bashes therapy, says people use it as a crutch one second, and then does this the very next scene. Right. Oh, uh, that's Terry Winter, too, right? The uh the patient. Yeah. yeah. 
one of the uh, great writers of this show and, and the creator of Boardwalk Empire plays uh, one of her dull patients who just see her sitting next to the bathrobe <laughs> stuff and all yeah. that. Yeah, this is a great episode for cameos. Yeah. Yeah. SAT tutor. I see why Tony didn't want to pay him. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, this is the kind of dumb bullshit they have on standardized tests. Uh, I get it. It's just like, holy shit, of course the kid's not doing well. This shit's boring as fuck. Uh, and uh, it's interrupted by the most fun thing a 16-year-old boy could see in his driveway, a new car. So that's it for the tutor session. The contrast, it's obvious this isn't anything profound, but the fucking contrast between the vehicle that is sitting there for AJ and the dirty, shitty, loud, rattly, rat trap bullshit the loppy car that the college student is driving is yeah. fucking killer. Uh, so funny. And of course, the college kid is very, you know, he's got to be smart to be doing the tutoring. So this is a person who has it over AJ in that regard. But AJ gets the nice car. And then Carmela even is just like, you're leaving. And the guy's like, the hour's up. He probably has another student he's going to be tutoring, lady. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. AJ loves it. Tony's excited to show it to him. Carmela is your unbelievable. Another indulgence is how she sees it. Tony says after what happened, Tony uses the thing at the school after what happened to those two girls at his school. This car's a tank, he says to her, trying to sell her on the safety part of it. What's sad is, uh, you know, I agree that Tony is indulging him and the, the gifts are stupid and AJ doesn't really deserve this car. Uh, but I also I don't wholly disagree with Tony's strategy, what he ends up doing here, which is the carrot and the stick thing. Yeah, you get to drive around this nice car once and then it's going to sit in the garage until you pull your grades up to a C. Mm-hmm. Not, not bad. That That's a motivator for a 16 year old. I don't yeah. think that's terribly bad. Parent. He certainly had worse moments as a dad. I'll say that. Yes, I wish I agree with you. I wish that wasn't the motivation to speak to your mother with respect. Mm hmm. Yeah, that that she has the keys to the car. Speak to your mother with respect because yeah. she's your mother. Ooh, and yeah. when he says when he says that, you know, I was talking to him, not you. I just want to slap him. Ugh. I hate that. Yeah, I hate, yeah. I hate the way he's talking to her. Yeah. Also, I I agree. I like the carrot and stick thing here. I think it actually it, it is a strategy that could work. However, Tony and Carmela needed to kind of plan it together a little bit more than this. This yes. is uh you can't really improv carrot and stick. Yep. Mm, good point. Yep. Well, and it it undermines Carmela's authority that Tony would make a decision like this. And right. It's a it, big it, decision. Yeah. 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 I agree. And if Carmela were to ever say something like that to him, it would just be entirely her fault for wanting the separation. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just a shitty spot. Karma has the keys. Tony goes back in. He, I could strangle him sometimes. He could be so hateful. Even Tony agrees. The smart mouth is not good. Carmela says he was always the sweet one. He had the concept of sharing before all the other toddlers. Tony agrees. Same thing with Meadow. It's like watching an angel fall. Notices Carmela, are you crying? She doesn't address it or indulge that conversation. She starts laying out some bills for Tony, the SAT tutor, and writing like you had to have a new, a new cheap sound system for the home theater. Tony says, oh, your movie connoisseur friends are still meeting. And then she drops this line that's going to come back several times throughout the episode. At least I have friends. Mm. You just have a bunch of flunkies. They're scared of you. Tell you you, you're not going bald. And Tony's like, what do you know about it? He's getting very defensive. 
They're scared of you. Well, I'm running a business, not a fucking popularity contest. What about Audi then? You turn it into a friggin' cynic. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like you just made up with Artie's grabbing at that right away. I love it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What do you think of this idea that Carmelo pointing out that Tony doesn't have any friends? That it's all just a bunch of flunkies and guys who kiss his ass and laugh at his stupid jokes. Well, I think she's right. Um, <laughs> I mean, essentially. It is a little bit more complicated, but I mean, even at the end of the complication, she's still right. Um, mm. These men that work for him, even the closest of the close, uh, Polly and Silvio, they are still operating in a system where under the right circumstances, they will kill Tony yeah. uh, and just go on living that life. I mean, ostensibly, Tony's best friend was pussy and he had to yeah. kill him, too. So these guys love each other and their family, but also they will murder each other. So that's the complication. And the end of the complication is she's still right. They aren't real friends the way the rest of humanity thinks of friendship. Artie really is the only real friend he has. And as Paul just said, he's only just reactivated that friendship. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, also, it's it, as Jordan said, it's complicated. I think one of the things that complicates it, of course, is how vulnerable Carmela is right now. She does have friends. This relationship that has defined 20 years of her life is seemingly coming to an end. Her daughter is much more independent now. Um, her son she gives her nothing. So she's, I think, feeling her own loneliness, isolation, vulnerability, and is lashing out in a way. But I think, as Jordan said, she is right on with something. And Tony, to his credit, is not He's in some denial about it, but he's not foolish. I think he gets it. As we see in this episode, he's wrestling with these guys kissing his ass. No, he's not an idiot. He knows when Jack Mazarone, what's the thing that tips him off about Jack Mazarone? You look like you lost some weight. He knows mm-hmm. what Carmelo's yep. saying mm-hmm. has an air of truth to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just, uh, he, he's trying to save a little face in front of her, but he knows she's right. Uh, I'm not running a fucking, I'm, I'm running a business, not a popularity contest. Cut to... Someone that Tony, for whatever reason, still feels a need to be popular with. Mm. This show's interesting, isn't it? It's a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> show, I would say. Melfi reading the note. This next scene is pure comedy to me. This is pure comic gold. <laughs> Melfi reading. Tony's fucking note is one of the funniest things. <laughs> Elliot there. Terrible word, of which I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Cunt. Yes, Elliot. <laughs> 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 uh, I really love the way... Uh, I have great rigored for you. I can see myself. <laughs> Even though you said some terrible things to me in regards to myself. <laughs> this is just great. The whole thing came with a basket of Dr. Hauschka bath products. Mm, ablution. Yes. The desire to cleanse himself of the deed. <laughs> and Melfi has the... Or a dream about Melfi coming out of the shower. Well, yeah, that's mm, more... Okay. <laughs> that's that too. Fun. That too. That's much more likely. Notice he still fundamentally blames me. That's that's the line the scene closes out on. And then we get this call with Dr. Wegler calling Carmella. And uh, I don't know, Jordan, is it outside the norm for a counselor to have a lunch or coffee with a parent to discuss AJ's trajectory? Yeah, that's that's way outside the norm. And I think she would have mm-hmm. to know that, uh, even yeah. accepting the invitation. Um, you know, look, I mean... We all teachers, guidance counselors, whatever you do get close with certain parents and you'll attend other things, but not in like a nothing that could ever be construed as a date. 
you know, mm-hmm. having a meal with someone is kind of intimate. And look mm-hmm. at the location they end up choosing uh, a romantic Italian or I think Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you could even kind of read it in his voice. This is with more than just AJ in mind. The subtext is there like, I want to see you. Absolutely. And Carmela's treating it that way. Like, oh, like you could hear her, the register. She's a very smart actress. The register goes up in surprise. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and so they they make a date for the following week. It's yeah, it's very quick. Yeah. Um, is it also deliberate that maybe I don't know, like, was he wanted to play it cool? He sandwiches it with kind of like more technical stuff like, oh, let's discuss AJ stuff and not like, oh, I need to see you now, but sometime next week. It's like mm-hmm. it's playing it cool, but yeah. but still, as Jordan said, it's very clear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's sandwiched in here is I- I'd like to see you socially. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, in both the meeting with Wegler the first time, and then ultimately when they do go on the date, um, she looks great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think Carmela in reclaiming her independence is maybe paying more attention to her appearance, or is just doing something a little bit extra. And uh, Edie Falco is a very beautiful woman. So this is, you know, I think we noticed that as well. Mm. She does. She does look great this season. Yeah. Uh, quick, quick, just backstory thing. I have an ongoing argument with my mother who continuously claims that Edie Falco is not a good looking woman. Dude, my uh, dad has said that. Mom, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I've actually I've seen her in person uh, twice. Uh, she is very attractive uh, b- both beautiful. times. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I think she's beautiful. This next scene makes me want to hit AJ so hard. <laughs> like, knock it off, man. You, yeah. you can be mm-hmm. you can be a little unmotivated shit without being so so nasty to your mom. I get it. I was not always the nicest to my parents at this age, but it just sucks to see this. The older I get, the more it sucks too. Because uh, the further I get from being fifteen, <laughs> but she's trying her so hard to try to engage him in conversation over dinner at least she's not fighting with a smartphone that would be the problem nowadays but she starts telling the story of pete pete best and his album best of the beatles he used to be their drummer not ringo you know that song happy birthday drum solo it's a basic four four okay all right trying to talk about something that this mm-hmm. kid's going to be interested in and not treat her like an asshole yeah Just think, also yeah. uh pete best uh, who was removed from the Beatles is one part of four. Mm. Um, this is, uh, I think, a nice little parallel include like the Sopranos. Mm. <laughs> Tony, Carmela, Meadow, and AJ. What happens when you remove just one of them and they're not part of the others anymore? It's pretty mm. sad. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. It's just what they call common ground, just trying to have a civilized conversation. Can I go eat upstairs? Am I so horrible? You're not horrible. Get over yourself. Get over myself. What does that mean? Go on. Go. Do me a favor. AJ reverses. If you're going to be a martyr, I'll sit here and stay. Nope. Put your plate in the sink. Uh, So AJ being a dick again. This is going to come back in a few minutes, but rough. I hate seeing it. Cut to David Lee Roth at the executive game. Another big money celebrity. So funny. So funny. (laughs) His only line. I used to be able to write off condoms. <laughs> great line. What a great line. Yeah, 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 yeah. David Lee Roth is from my hometown in Massachusetts. It's just very funny seeing him here. Yep. Um, yeah, it's great. 
Yep. Yeah, I like to think Diamond Dave would be a fan of the show. Why not? And someone that's the other thing about these celebrities too. They're also people who would believably be at a game like this. Possibly. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> Rock stars, uh, you know, uh, professional athletes. Fa- famously, these guys play cards for sure. Yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, there's what's happening in that moment is there's like a kind of a one-upsmanship with the jokes, mm, and yeah. Tony's sort of bland joke gets the biggest laugh. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's the worst yeah. joke at all, and he notices. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and then we get that great. Uh, first of all, the, it starts right away. We've just come off the scene where Carmela has told Tony he just got a bunch of flunkies, and Paulie right away with the always got his eye on the big picture. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Ali doth protest too much. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And then, and then we get the the boring seven forty seven joke, which is it's like cute, but that's like the kind of joke a seven year old finds in a book and can't wait to tell. Like, <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a dad joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. A boring seven forty seven. And we get the slow-mo laugh across everybody. And the joke's funny, but they're all laughing just a bit too hard for that joke. That's the that's the point here. And Tony's noticing. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, features out of focus as we go yes. around the table. Yeah, and, he's just uh, kind of... you kind of wonder why in the moment. But yeah, the point being, yeah, they're all laughing really hard. And Tony's like, fuck. <laughs> you <Yep>. know, <laughs> I'm aware exactly of what Carmela said. Yep. And all of this misery AJ has heaped onto Carmela pays off. Uh, she can't stand being the bad guy anymore, so she allows him permission to go to the Mudvayne concert. The catch is, no Hudson Suites, you're going to go up to Meadow's apartment, stay there, and you're back by 10.30 the next day. She gives him a kiss, and we move on. I'm sure that's going to go well. Mm-hmm. Dr. Freed's wedding. Uh, car robbery. This is a fun sequence. All this, uh, wow, I mean, just think about how short this scene must have been in the script. So this is the kind of stuff I think about sometimes with, with shows like this is maybe a page or two in the script. And they had to hire like 70 extras, mm-hmm. a band. Mm-hmm. This is just, uh, uh, get one of those fucking, the, the, the props and, and scenery people had to get one of those fucking trucks that carries all the cars. Just so much went into this. It's, it's just funny. Yeah. But, <laughs> but a great sequence is great. I mean, worth correct. It. Absolutely. Uh, so right now, we don't know more than someone is knocking off the the, the American cars at this uh, at this wedding, and I love that. Now, who's a genius for keeping his regal? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of uh, when the woman makes the announcement. There's been an armed robbery. Oh my god, I died. They think it's a joke. The band thinks it's a joke, and the guy does a rib shot. <laughs> I mean. Some sound designer thought to put that in, and it was just fucking, it killed me. Chris, yeah. you know how long my brother was on the waiting list for that thing? A motherfucking year. Oh, <laughs> poor, uh, poor thing. Try to get a Tesla now. Yeah. So actually, oh, that's that's sort of part of it, is that one, it's like it's completely ruined this wedding. But it's also funny because also fuck these rich people. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> It's like a horrible thing that should never have been done, but also like, I, you know, it's not like, you know, the last episode, Sal Vitro getting fucked yeah, over. Yeah, now it's, it's just it's like, a, it's some people that can afford to go out and buy another one of these cars tomorrow. Yeah, it's hard to feel entirely sorry for them. It, it just, right. it sucks that it ruined the wedding because we like Dr. that. Is bad. That is but, bad. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. But even that is often funny. Like, uh, I'm bupkis in this guy's eyes now. His day book <laughs> was in the car. It's like, his what? glasses. Oh, no, his yeah. glasses. <laughs> 
Uh, AJ gets out of the concert. It was awesome. He calls Meadow. I'm a total dick if I leave here. He wants Meadow to cover for him. Meadow is reluctant for a minute and then says, make sure you get home on time. I don't want to get any shit from mom. She's watching a movie with Finn. Part of her that's probably like, oh, great. All right. At least I am i don't have to have him over and I can fuck Finn on the couch and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but AJ is uh, going to stay at the hotel and Meadow's going to cover. Carmelo's enjoying the quiet. That bath looks fantastic. I would love to take a bath like that. But uh, she can't relax. She can't relax. She's nervous about this decision she's made. Has to call Meadow. They're in the middle of a movie, quote unquote. Wait until you have... He's fine, Mom. He was a little zapped. He's fine. Wait until you have children. I'm not going to have children. That makes Carmela sad for the briefest of moment. Asks, so how are you? We're in the middle of a movie. Oh, okay. Lilia and I were watching this episode together, and she just, like, gasped and was like, no one can give Carmela a fucking inch this episode. It's really sad. Not uh, even pay, not even yeah. chat with her for a minute. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. She just gets shit on top to bottom. Uh, they're smoking out of a bottle which will get you, for those who are not experienced in this particular activity, will get you extremely fucked up. <laughs> Very uh, high. Yes, yes. They're doing dumb shit that they could have done in a basement in New Jersey. Cur- yeah. Also, cur- yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, there's porn on the TV. They're smoking. They're drinking. One guy is passed out uh, underneath the puke-filled toilet, and some one of the assholes must have gone down to the corner bodega to get some Sharpies. <laughs> They, st- you know, they're doing this dumb bullshit. Doctor Freed goes to Tony at the Bing. At first, Tony's excited. Oh, you got the wedding party! Everybody's outside. Bring them in. Bring them in. Can I stop this really quick? Please. Very briefly, before Doctor Freed comes in, did you guys see what happens? Tony's like having a drink with one of the dancers there, and she's got a side project where she's going to be a painter. She's got. I got oil. I got <laughs> canvas. I'm ready to go. And Tony says. Uh yeah, salute. He like doesn't get it's so funny. <laughs> it's a throwaway, but it is so funny. This it's little funny. detail about one of the dancers. I loved it. Yeah, that's great. That's good shit. I wonder if they that's something they ad lib or if like you know right. just talk about anything and then Dr. Freed's gonna enter. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably not. Dr. Freed comes in. We talked a little bit about this already. He mentions the uh his it's his brother the, the brothers Ben's. Tony says, I'll make some calls. I'm not really in that business. His day book, his, his glasses were in it. So Tony's like, all right, uh, this is fucked up. I'll take a look around, poke around for you. And what a shot this is. The shot over the uh, party, the, the the vestiges of the debaucherous activities of the previous night. Mm-hmm. The fucking, they're they're going to get a fee. Whoever put feel bad for whichever of their parents put their card on this room, they're going to get, a, they're definitely going to get a charge for the state of this place. Yeah. Uh, and AJ is stuck to the rug. His face, this is darkly funny. Carmela's calling around frantically. Meadows doesn't answer the phone. She is threatening vaguely the, uh, God help you if anything happens, like those kids up in Westchester, whatever that is, trying to get through to the room. She's getting more and more nervous, more and more mom in a panic. They have to rip his face from the rug, which looks incredibly painful. <laughs> and then they 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 go to the bathroom and his eyebrows are gone, drawn in with two little thin sharpie marks. Yes, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's 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 hilarious. It's it's all you know. Look, it's it's not the end of the. Uh, so we'll talk about this in the next scene. It, it, nothing bad truly did happen, but 
uh, it is still just, you know, stupid. And Carmella was right not to trust him. Carmella calls Tony in tears, wakes him up. He could be dead by now. I'm I'm so worried. I'm not even angry anymore. Mm-hmm. Tells Tony's assuring her he's going to be fine. Go to the uh, Hudson Suites on the west side. Tony's like heads out. AJ comes home shortly after. Carmella has a moment of relief and then goes right back to that anger. You didn't even go to Meadows after you gave me your word. Let me go. What happened to your face? Leave me alone. You're a liar. Fuck you, he says Mm -hmm. to Carmella. What did you say? Chases him up the stairs, falls and hits her knee, and bangs it pretty fucking hard. AJ stops for a minute at the top of the stairs, shakes his head, and, and keeps going. So... Really feeling for Carmella at this point. The tension yeah. is escalating. Any thoughts on any of this before we progress? The, the meat of it is coming up. But this is just... It should, I, I thought it was just well told, well shot. Uh, it's moving at a good pace here. Where You can feel Carmella's worry and the way that they're cutting around and the phone's ringing. And I just thought they did a nice job dramatically building the tension here. Yeah. I mean, I thought about how AJ could have handled the... the situation better i just don't know that he has that in him it's just not it's not who he is like uh he's 16 he's devastated by this separation he has no emotional tools uh you know yeah he's coming in with no fucking eyebrows (laughs) what could he have said he could have said i'm so sorry i don't know it's just he's not that person Uh, and you just i feel for carmella of course but like i'm like uh, i don't know that i could have expected any better from aj you know i mean this is even she, she knew this kind of thing would happen, and it's uh, it reminds me a little bit of her relationship with with Tony. I mean, in their big fight last season, he paraphrasing, he said, "You know, you know what you're getting yourself in, into when you're with a guy like me." She knows what she's going to get out of a son like AJ as well. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it, it's like she's stuck. You know, I, yeah. I feel bad. No, it's a shitty situation. I mean, it's a great point. And what? How much more difficult is this with Tony? as ostensibly the parenting partner and ally in this she says i'm sick of your bullshit both of you of course like she says to aj in the next sequence how can anybody believe anything that you say well you know that's a question that you basically have put to your husband Hmm. so we know where he got this we know what dynamics it comes from um and maybe yeah it's just this very painful realization that what carmella knew all along he wasn't ready but she'll, but she'll get more into that in the next scene. Yeah, and I love how I love hate how he gaslights her in this next scene. Coming down the steps, he sees how he, that sight of Tony pull, screeching into the driveway and slamming the door. That's like scary oh, shit, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, you're in some fucking trouble. Yeah, daddy's home, and <laughs> he uh, he comes down, good little boy, taking out his garbage. You know, just taking out <laughs> yeah, the trash, just, uh, like AJ ever does a geez. fucking chore around there. Right. What's what, I like that? What's different about you? <laughs> he has no eyebrows. He has Tony. no eyebrows, Tony. <laughs> um, before he comes down, Carmel expresses being hurt that Meadow lied, and Tony's right. She's just his sister. It's what they. It's what you're supposed to do. What'd you say to your mother? The F word. You're finished. You're not going to drive that car into. Well, the first that there's all this this hilarious exchange about what went on up there. If you have some kind of sexual proclivity with this <laughs> teacher, now's the time to say. I mean, what went on up there? Poppers and weird sex. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't do drugs. We're not some stupid dopers. 
tells him he's finished. You're not going to drive that car to your 45 years old. Um, she wouldn't let me talk. Oh, so now this is my fault. Totally making, you know, she didn't try to tell Carmel anything. He's lying. Or, you know, and like Paul said, where'd he learn that from? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these characters lie like they breathe. Back in season one, she tells Father Phil, I get the same who me shit with Tony. I don't need it from you. Same thing here. You know, she's just tired of dealing with these guys. And, uh, AJ describes a false version of the story where he just had a couple beers and got a little drunk and, you know, nothing happened, nothing bad. Uh, All right, Carmela, a couple beers, and she feels once again undermined, like she has to be the villain here. And she's she's had it. I'm sick of both. I'm sick of your bullshit, both of you. He can go live with you. AJ's like, oh, great. Shut (laughs) up. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is what he wanted. He asked for this back when they got the separation in, in season four. He wanted to come live with Tony out in the uh, in the cinema, the pool house, whatever that is. Tony sends AJ out to take the garbage out, sits down with Carmela. I mean, what are we doing here? Really? Really? What do we do? She says, I've never been more serious about anything in my life. And he can go live with you. T- Tony says, it's not the end of the world. A couple of beers. You remember us uh, when we were teenagers, the CYO dance, Artie fell asleep in the snow, almost lost his fingers. We still laugh our asses off about it. <laughs> it's a hilarious story. And Carmela shares some insight here. She's not just being a shrew to be a shrew. She's like, I don't blame AJ. He's doing what he should be doing. He's testing the limits any way he can. I blame myself. I said, fuck it. I need to compete with you. You don't know what it's like to have your own son hate you. Uh, I really, really feel for her here. I can't be the villain anymore. Take him. And it seems, at least for now, like this is what's happening. AJ's going to pack up and move in at Livia's with Tony and Artie. <laughs> so Carmela was serious. She's had it and sends him out. Yes. They, do a great, they do a great transition with uh, Tony mulling it over into the nervous uh, hamana hamana that Ralph Cramden used yeah, to do on the honeymooners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're watching the honeymooners. It's great. And they just look happy as happy as a clam, uh, the, those three sitting there watching the honeymooners. Like a bachelor pad thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's got bachelor pad vibes. It's 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 sad and funny at the same Complete time. Complete with fart jokes later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the things the things that men need to know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Feech and Tony, back to the bing. Here's a pretty critical scene. I love this fucking scene so much. Tony calls out Feech. You knock over the cars at that wedding. Why, is that a problem? I told you that Dr. Freed was a friend of mine. I specifically used that word. Sorry, Godfather. He's he's downplaying it. Well, when did it happen that you need to ask permission to apply your trade? Mm. Here's your end. Be happy. This is the second time I'm playing catch-up with you. What the fuck are you talking about? And Tony mentions you're so concerned about my end. Why didn't you take it to one of my shops? And then he drops this major bomb. I was talking with Johnny Sachs, one of Johnny Sachs guys. No instant, like, Silvio looks over like, that's as big a red flag as you're going to get right there. Especially with everything going on in New York. But he's now, you know, he gripes, he's he's following a pattern here. He's griping the junior. He's griping the Tony B. He's never satisfied with anything Tony gives him. And now he's talking with Johnny Sack. Yeah, you fucking kidding me? Yeah. He's now checked pretty much every Richie and every Ralphie box. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> you know, in my he, he gets angry in my day, and I love that Tony just totally dresses him down here. Uh, <laughs> culminating and, you know, basically like, and I don't want, it's another thing, I don't want to hear about how it was in your day. Tells him to shut the fuck up otherwise, unless he's talking about like, you know, the diner flows and Maguire sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Feast, I'm trying to ease your transition. This is the thanks I get. You got to admit, I still think of you as a kid. Sorry, I'll learn. And Tony says, oh, yeah. And then his mind goes back to that poker game. And Mm -hmm. we see the same slow-mo laughing. This is so well done. Great directing, great writing here. He's panning the same faces. And then we pull over in the middle where Feech is standing between Silvio and Vito. And we zoom in on him, and he is scowling, just scraping his bread with a knife. Just not un- completely unamused. Tony knows right then he's not going to learn. He's never going to toe the line and be one of the flunkies. Mm-hmm. So we come out of that. They hug. Are we okay? Feech asks. Yeah. Just get me the bends, okay? And he leaves. And uh, by the way, because you haven't seen season five, Jordan, I really love when you said, even on like episode one or two of the season, that you were... Com- Comparing Feach to Richie April, yeah, uh, it really pays off here because Tony and what a great swerve! This is good drama that the main character's learning something. We're not just following, yeah. A familiar he actually pattern. He says it, yeah. He actually says it, yeah. Did I learn nothing from Richie April? Nip it in the bud. And uh, the phrasing "nip it in the bud" is the exact same phrase that Johnny Sack had used previously about trying to get rid of his power mm-hmm. vacuum situation. So I think that's rolling around Tony's mind as well. Yep. Um, An interesting wrinkle about Feech that wasn't true of Richie is that he's well-liked. Yes. Which, if right. if, if Feech were to make a move, would complicate it. So Correct. Tony right. has every, every reason. Yeah, Feech is a little bit of Ralphie and Richie rolled in together, because Ralph actually was well-liked to an extent. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of both. So here's where I thought in this episode, I was like, okay, so now he, he kills Feech is what I thought was going to happen. Yep, that's not what happens at all. This is actually a pretty smart move, though. I, I, I you know, there was. Uh, I think um, I heard uh, in a another actual, actually, I think another Sopranos podcast that had him on. Frank Renzulli has said has criticized this next move by Tony, saying that a gangster would never alert an authority to another gangster. But I actually thought this was a pretty smart move on Tony's part. I thought this was an excellent way of dealing with this problem. So. Well, was was Frank Ranzulli criticizing the decision by Tony or he was criticizing like the authenticity of that? The authenticity of the writer. The oh, writers, he was criticizing okay. the writer saying that a gangster would never snitch out another gangster, even one in this situation. That, that it's just, a guy, a guy like Tony would never cooperate with the feds or anybody to I put Feech away again, Okay, which mm-hmm. may or may not be a valid criticism. I, I, I'm i never a fan, really. I, I know Frank Renzulli is a very talented writer. We love a lot of his episodes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of the criticism. So-and-so would never. Unless it's totally implausible, like gr- stretching all grounds of believability. Yeah, maybe most therapists wouldn't act the way Melfi did, but she did in this situation. Or maybe Tony yeah. wouldn't do the... To me, I bought this, and I thought it was a very smart. I, I thought it was actually a very smart solution on Tony's part. This is a I good way to too. handle this. I liked it um, too. And it's also here's the other thing too that that it, it, I think debunks that criticism. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is Tony didn't pinch Feech by snitching on him. They merely pulled a corrupt parole officer off 
That's it. And then the real parole officer did his thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they had a guy go in there who was cooperative. But anyway, we'll get there. They also did it with this maybe a plausible deniability in mind. Like if they had killed Feech, then basically everybody would have known that they had killed Feech. Right. With the way they did it, maybe Tony, Silvio, and Chris, and maybe Benny know what mm. the real story was. And everyone else thinks, oh, Feech ran into some bad luck and he went back and they we forgot about him. Yeah. So uh, Christopher and Benny bring Feech a suit. He's having his wine and peaches. Hey, I look better than Sinatra. <laughs> Chris and Benny have a truck full of flat screens. I love the way Chris and Benny play this. Like, like ah, oh, no, you know, I don't want to. He's not. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's playing like he doesn't want to talk about it in front of Feech. But Benny is just enthusiastic enough to mm-hmm. pique Feech's interest. These two young guys played this quite well, actually. And they get it out of him that they have this truckload of flat load, uh, flat screen TVs, all the rage in 2004. This was right when all the box TVs were starting to go away. Feech offers to let him park the truck for 2% and throw in a TV in his garage. So they agree. They shake on it. And we see Carmela and uh, Dr. Wegler at lunch. Some notion of escaping the quotidian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Carmilla's reaction when he says that is so funny. She's just like, oh, those words went right over my head. But boy, <laughs> boy, boy, is he smart. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, look, not that Tony's not a smart guy. We talk all the time about how he's the smartest gangster in the in the game. But I think, uh, you know, part of Wegler's appeal is that he is sophisticated and uh, it's something different for her, this this education, that he can recommend books for her by, by authors she's never heard of. And, right. Oh, yeah. And he literally recommends Madame Bovary, which is a, a novel about escaping your sort of mundane life, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, he, he is, he's, he's literally the representative of that and then recommends a book where that is the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, all happy families is the opening line in Anna Karenina, also about an affair, yeah. also about going outside of this bland marriage yeah. dynamic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. She tells him about AJ that he's just moved in with his father. He needs a good school, otherwise he'll be drawn in with. Then he, she kind of alludes to what Tony does as if if Wegler had any reservations about it, and then uh, yeah, recommends Madame Bovary. Uh, it gives that escape thing the quotidian line. <laughs> uh, he's also a divorcee, so that's uh, something they kind of have in common. They've both experienced the disintegration <laughs> of a marriage. There's yes. flirtatious and, energy. Yeah, and he's he's also he's divorced from a woman named Astrid, who just from the first name we know is of his tribe as well. So she's divorced right. from Tony. Italian American working class Astrid. Ah, yes. The this is another person who is like of the academic class of like yeah. the, you know that that whole thing. Yep. So and again, you know, this leads me to believe we're not done with Doctor Wakeler here because they uh, leave off on this note of to be continued. Yeah. I hope I love David Strathairn, so I'm He's I'm a great actor. I'm thrilled to see more of him, unless with this fucking show, I don't know, unless he gets hit by a truck or something. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Who knows? Parole officer comes to see Feech. I forget the guy's name, but Feech is like, where's the usual guy? Where's Eddie? He's out sick. Comes in, immediately points out the TV. Is that new? Is the bequeathed. Death. Okay. Walks, pokes around. Is that your garage? No, that's where I keep the weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) (laughs) You want to open it up for me? 
You want to see my fucking garage? You ever seen what an oil stain looks like? <laughs> amazing feature, Lamana, Chris. Really uh, amazing. Well, I'm sad that it's uh, he's, the he's last you'll get to use it. Yeah. <laughs> he's going away, unless the back half of season five is like Oz and we we take it into the prison. But let's see. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, but there's a there's a tragically long pause as Feach realizes he's completely fucked and has to go open the garage for this guy. And uh, he's out. Cut to the bachelor pad. They're all watching baseball. And, you know, again, Tony B just hanging out, working man in his Korean laundry uniform, laughing it up. I got to say, as much as I hate AJ and I hate what how the, the beat the episode ends on. Uh, and I feel for Carmilla here. There's something about this scene that makes me want to hang out with these guys and watch baseball and eat wings. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, fuck Major League Baseball, right, Paul? <laughs> Let's watch ballet. Let's watch ballet. <laughs> this is like, this is Paradise Island from Pinocchio. This is the boy's treehouse. Like, no one has yeah. to be an adult here. No one has yeah. to treat a woman with respect. No one has to live in society here. This place yeah. is like a shelter, basically. You know, for these guys, this is great. Yep. Oh, somebody hotboxed us. Artie starts laughing. So when you close the windows and fart on purpose, <laughs> it's called the Dutch oven. <laughs> No, it, by the way, this is just such a funny thing to see. It's funny scene to see after Carmela says, maybe he'll learn the things men need to know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's learning about hot boxing and Dutch ovens. And first, you got to be in bed with one. AJ says, you'd be surprised. Tony says, oh. yeah, what? Oh, boy. Yeah, don't forget about Devin. Artie keeps blasting out these farts. And Jesus, like, <laughs> Artie, <laughs> like, even, even Tony <laughs> being like, oh, my God, he has to put his food down and get up. <laughs> and then uh, they're laughing. And uh, where the scene ends is very interesting, though. Tony does tell AJ, all right, go up and do your Spanish homework. AJ says, no, 15 minutes. And Tony says, no, now. And there's a moment there. Is he going to get mouthy? Is he going to be a shithead? But he listens. He listens mm -hmm. to Tony. That's the that's the sad thing about it is, you know, when Tony says it, he at least is going to listen. We'll see how this goes. To be continued. It's an interesting note to leave things on. Beach is going back to prison. We see him on the on the prison bus. A very long. So sequence. sad. So yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, here's one of those. This is one of those bittersweet things. I'm sad to see Feach go because I really enjoy Robert Loge's performance. I enjoy the character. I enjoy the conflict he brings. But given what we've already seen on the show, this is definitely the right move. Very smart that Tony learned and adapted. And this, to me, now in retrospect, as much as I'm going to miss him, was the absolute perfect ending to this story. Well, yeah, per perfect for Tony. Uh, right. You know, yeah, for Feech. Feech, this is, I think, worse than death. Uh, yeah. We, Feech would have wanted to go like old Bacala, right? right. Yeah. Feech would want to go out in a blaze of gunfire, right? That, that was that hero's death. That's a gangster's death. This is torture. Yeah, it's agony. There's a reason they linger so long and just cutting back and forth from Robert Loge's face to all of the places outside. It's 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 tough. That's a shitty ride to take, especially for a guy like Feech. Yeah, and a very a mundane view. It's just, you know, local businesses, an ugly road, a Home Depot, you know. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we're back in the Bing. Silvio is expressing approval. Tony sits down with his sandwich. 
Silvio says it was a good move. Christopher agrees, by the way. And Tony replies, well, once again, well, it's nice that he agrees, but I'm not running a fucking popularity contest. Mm-hmm. And he eats a sandwich, the victorious king. Cut to this last scene, a Carmela coming home to with groceries. We get this very intriguing flashback of AJ riding his bike fast down the driveway into the street. A much sort of a fun mirror with how the episode started. AJ going back and forth with a car out of the driveway, riding his little three-wheeler. Carmela runs concerned after him and, and a much younger ponytailed Carmela. And then back to present, she walks in and she is just in this big empty house alone. And the way they compose that shot is such that you really feel the vastness of the emptiness. And uh, if the last episode was about Tony and Junior's loneliness. This one was certainly about Carmela's loneliness. And boy, did they do a good job expressing it and really punching it home in these last moments. Final thoughts on this last sequence and all happy families. Yeah. So uh, I titled this episode or or we titled this episode House and Garden, which is a, a famous magazine that was around forever. I think it was around until the early 90s. And then I think it actually started again for a bit after a while. This was a mainstay magazine at my house, uh, along with good housekeeping. And, uh, you know, we've watched Carmela through all these seasons trying to make her home a beautiful place visually, aesthetically, also a harmonious place with all of her family members. And to see this episode, the way it ends, it's all come to naught. This is also an episode about it's the last member of her family leaving the house, Um, you know, all Parents deal with this sometime. Lucky parents get to deal with this together. This sudden uh, having to come to terms with the empty nest, right? She's tried so hard to be a good wife, to be a good mother, and now none of these people are around anymore, right? Um, Those magazines, House and Garden, Good Housekeeping, they're all about uh, improving your home in some way. But they only improve the look of your home, right? They don't. They don't really do anything to enrich your family life, and. Not saying any of this is is Carmela's fault. I'm just in this moment expressing my grief for her that she created a beautiful home that is now empty. There's no one else to come home to see that sight that she sees at the end of the episode. We would all die to live there. What a beautiful house. Everything is perfect except for the slightly subpar sound system in the movie room, right? <laughs> Everything in this house is perfect. Um, and she comes home to it and she comes home to it alone. Right. Everybody has somebody. Meadow has Finn. Uh, You know, Tony even got AJ. Right. And now he's with Artie and they're having a great time in that house. Who's not having a great time? Carmela comes home to the big house alone. This is basically like working 20 years at a job and then uh, being asked to leave. No severance, no compensation, nothing. Just your life's work is nothing. It's it's an empty, beautiful house, uh, a garden that hasn't grown anything. Mm. Well said. I think um, the Tolstoy quote that starts Anna Karenina is all happy families are like all unhappy families are unhappy in their own way. And the unhappy specificity of the Soprano household is, as Jordan said, a house that has stuff, but has broken apart and left this one character, particularly Carmelo, who built so much of the house alone. And it plays with that same music that played over her isolation in the bath scene. Now this tension of what comes next for her. 
and I feel for her a lot. I'm I'm concerned about her. I'm hoping that she's going to be okay because, again, as I came to admire her in this episode for wrestling with this question of her own isolation and her her wor- work on herself as an individual, having to let AJ go. Tony is nowhere near her. Tony says he's not running a popularity contest, but he is. He has to rig the popularity contest to be content in his own power. Carmella is willing to wrestle with the complete catastrophe that Jordan just laid out for us. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. So that's where this episode leaves us. Really great writing and production value. Thanks for the house, Edie Falco. She crushed it. Mm-hmm. As always, no surprise there. Great return for Edie after a one episode hiatus. You couldn't ask for a meatier episode for her after taking an episode off ostensibly. I believe is this season Edie Falco had cancer, I think, had during so she's doing a bang up job considering that that's going on in her. Oh gosh, I didn't even know about that. I'm so sorry yeah, to she, hear that. She had, I think she, you know, she made it thankfully. She's still around and kicking ass. Yeah, today. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, filming this season while dealing with that uh, is something else. But, uh, you know, props to Queen Edie, not the first or last time that's been said. Uh, and, you know, hey, all happy families. We're a happy family here at the Sopranos podcast because we get to cover these awesome episodes for you folks and continue to interact with our many great fans. Please reach out to us on social media. We love hearing from you. We love the comments, love the suggestions. And listen, if you're having trouble hearing Paul, turn up your volume. I don't know what else to tell you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is another banger uh surely uh the next episode is going to settle things down a bit and, and kind of coast along and maybe move i assume people. yeah 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 so i agree yeah, yeah, don't yeah. call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this has been uh, all happy families uh i'm chris d'amato i'm paul mancini and i'm jordan hugh and we will be back next time with Irregular Around the Margins. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. Now who's a genius for keeping his regal? Got myself a gun.